Yo, before we start and we open up, I want to talk about the differences between a performance dog and an active dog. Well, the main difference between a performance dog and a general active dog is the level of activity and caloric needs of a dog on a daily basis. Examples of performance dogs are those running 20 to 40 miles per day on an active patrol, stretching 12 hours plus. If the dog is involved in activities such as field trials or hunt tests, leading a life of high intensity training and competition easily fall into the category of high performance. Dogs that participate in hunting or engage in the above activities occasionally, but do not train daily are likely active dogs. While they can still benefit from performance nutrition since they spend the majority of their time as a family dog, it might be better to transition their diets from maintenance to performance as their activity level increases or decreases. That is why I subscribe to Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. Vegas and Ruger are both on the 3020 blend and are loving it. So go check out Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. Look for it up on the aisles in PetSmart or Chewy.com or just give me a call or, or any of the Yukonuba folks and we'll send it your way. The Gundog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by OnX Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the OnX Hunt app from your phone's app store today and check out onxmaps.com for more inside OnX. I also want to welcome Garmin as a new affiliate sponsor to the podcast, Garmin Fish and Hunt. They just sent me the new Pro 550 Plus and I'm loving it. I'm getting Vegas started on his uh, e-collar conditioning. So look forward to hearing more about Garmin and that whole process throughout the podcast. I also wanna thank Dakota 283 Kennels for the highest quality dog kennels on the market. If you are looking for a good transition into the hunting season, go to dakota283.com and give the G3 Series Kennels a look. Use my promo code TGDN10 for 10% off at checkout. You can purchase any regular priced item and use that promo code. Also want to mention Lion Country Supply. Go check out lcsupply.com for premium gun dog supplies and training equipment. If you've ever seen me on my social media messing around with that remote bird launcher, you will understand it. It is a phenomenal device. Um, I'm all about a natural flush, but it is a piece that you will have for a lifetime. So go check out Lion Country Supply at lcsupply.com. All right, guys, today we have Chet Hervey for Project Upland. Definitely an episode that I'm just, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful to uh, to be publishing right now. And Chet's done so much for the podcast. So I definitely owe a debt of gratitude um, to him and the rest of the Project Upland folks. This one is not going to be so heavily focused on dog training um, as it is 
really talking about the business of social media and you know media companies and things like that in our uh, bird dog community you know and just kind of building yourself and branding and the importance of all of that and just some observations from chet so you guys hang on this is another episode of the gun dog notebook podcast i'm glad to welcome chet herbie too long my friend how are you i'm well man thanks so much for uh having me on i'm excited okay okay now unbeknownst to a lot of people because i feel like it should be said but you have definitely been one of like the integral parts of of taking the gun dog notebook to new heights and stuff like that oh man i can't i can't take a ton of credit for that that's that's you hustling man so I'm uh, I'm happy to help anyway. Obviously, when I see something that I think is cool and 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 going somewhere and moving, then I'm all all that more happy to to support it and see if I can help out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, uh, I always appreciate it. Well, I guess it makes sense to start here, since how we were you were already getting on a roll with it. But I made the mistake in saying that you had a Brock Fry say, and you really. Have a brat du bourbonnet. See, I told you I was going. <laughs> right. No, 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 that, that was pretty close, man. That's probably probably the way the French sound when they say it. You know? Really? So, yeah, yeah. It's like marbles in the mouth, you know. But uh, man, no, yeah, yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a weird dog. Um, I mean, she's a phenomenal dog, but yes, a, a brat du bourbonnet. So, uh, and I was, I was telling you before we started here that, uh, yeah, they. They date all the way back to like the 1500s and uh, sourced from in and around Spain. So it's not even originally kind of a French dog and and uh, kind of went out of – they were real popular back in the day and then kind of went out of vogue until about, oh, the late 70s, early 80s when they kind of have a real kind of cult following revival. Um, and really the cool thing about them is that they they uh, they're not an AKC breed or anything like that. So, really? So the, the – yeah, the pure, um, you know, they're they're officially recognized by NAVDA, but um, you know, so their their revival has really been spearheaded by hardcore hunting versatile dog breeders. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they've been you know bred really really well, really really selectively, and um, I think that they've just produced some pretty spectacular dogs. And, um, so actually, and I got my dog from a guy named Lon Cuck down in Southern Idaho. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's one of the kind of the godfathers of bringing the breed back. So I feel pretty lucky that, uh, that I managed to hook up with him and he's about five hours South of me. Nice. So I'm able to, yeah. Cruise down there and pick up my dog. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Her, her mom says, I mean, so obviously bloodlines are real important to these guys. Yep. Um, my dog's mom um was the the youngest Brock du Bourbonnet to ever get utility one on a NAVDA um NAVDA uh I mean it's a natural ability test but one of the tests the, yeah I think it was just a utility test but uh so she's you know she's got the uh she's got the goods as far as the blood goes and uh yeah she's just been a real joy to work with for sure well that's that's pretty dope man you uh I 
I guess I wonder because I was the the old plain Jane guy that went with a pointer, just you, you stand in pointer. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, you made you made the you made the safe choice. <laughs> right, I, I made the safe crazy <laughs> choice. Right, um, <laughs> right, right. So what? No, like, you know, I, I, I I mean, I love the I love the English pointers. I loved GSPs. Mm-hmm, you know, um, mm-hmm. I got a chance to hunt over some pretty spectacular GSPs in my time, um, but. Really, uh, and again, I know I'm going to offend some people. I'm sure in your audience, but it happens. I, I, just, I, <laughs> I, just, I just I couldn't handle the 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 neurosis, you know. It was yeah. Like, like I mean, I wanted a dog that was like obviously like really you know a, a great running dog and and really had a ton of prey drive in the field, but like I didn't want a dog that would drive me nuts mm-hmm. and destroy my wife's shoes, you know. Like it was that was just real important to me. Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, ironically enough, I ran across, I mean, as I was researching and I almost pulled the trigger on saying, all right, it's going to be a GSP. Mm -hmm. And then, um, uh, I found an article, uh, I think it was in gun dog magazine and it was archived like way back and mentioned, mentioned this breed Brock du Bourbonnet. And I was like, and the way that, I mean, this article was just, I mean, the way that they were praising this dog for that real nice, you know, a, a really great talented you know well-bred hunting dog but real real you know biddable and real you know calm in the home and and again you know i mean like reality is dude you guys have you know hunting season is only so much of the year you got your dog year round so i couldn't have my dog you know driving me crazy you know (laughs) um the rest of the year when it wasn't hunting season so um so I was really sold on the breed, and ironically enough, I, I, in the in the Gun Dog magazine article, they quoted the breeder that I got my dog from. So really? it was kind of like this. I mean, it, it seemed like a, you know, I, I read everything I could possibly find. There's not a ton about them, obviously, um, but I read everything I could find, and and was just completely sold. And we had, you know, I have a um, my son's ten years old, so he was seven i think when we were when we were getting the dog he'd been begging me since he was two you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so 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 um you know finally i just you know thought it was all right this is it's time like let's just pull the trigger and 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 we did it and picked her up about two years ago in july so yeah it's been uh it's been a lot of fun been a, been a, been a whole lot of fun now i um you know, of course, I'm going to give you kudos for not getting a GSP. I love pissing my listeners off. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I, I'm always going to give the GSP guys a hard time. Um, I love them to death, and I, I'm always going to get that comment. But, no, that's cool, man. It's, it's It really is cool to see folks, you know, with the continental breeds and, and, and those dogs that are really... I guess not heard of. Um, I'm actually going to do some research um, in Craig Koshik's book. So Craig actually sent me um, his Pointing Dogs Volume One, The Continentals. So oh, that's awesome. yeah, I um, I actually want to do a little bit of uh, research on your breed, man, because it's just it's very interesting, and you don't really see um, you don't really see that a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you just really don't see that a lot, um, you know, in the States. And, you know, for NABDA folks, it, it really goes to show that, you know, you don't really have to water down these breeds. And there are dogs out there that are, you know, truly, 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 naturally, um, 
you know, naturally driven and, and still have their original form, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and again, I mean, if you think about it, you look at it like GSPs, again, not to harp on them, but, you know, they're they're one of the top 10 most popular breeds, period. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like not, I mean, I mean, not hunting breeds, just all breeds. Right, right, seriously. You you know, when when they're that popular, they get bred so poorly so often that Mm -hmm. it really does a disservice to the breed. So, you Mm -hmm. know, obviously I think that you could find some really solid, high, you know, high quality breeders out there. And I know, again, like I I mean, I've hunted over Anthony Farrow's dogs and, you Mm -hmm. know, um, they were, you know, just phenomenal dogs. Right. So, so there's, there's certainly a lot to be said about bloodlines and trainers and things like that. Um, you know, I got into hunting, um, hunting over a pair of Britneys and, um, and I would actually very, I, I actually love Britneys too, but, um, I don't do long haired dogs. Like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, they, I, I, I'm allergic to them, so I can't do Britneys. And, uh, but it's really funny because a trainer buddy of mine who was helping me with through some, you know, just fine tuning Pearl, Right. He uh, he was like, yeah, you know, she reminds me a lot of, of a Britney's temperament. She's kind of really, really sweet. And uh, and obviously, the size is another big deal for me. You know, I wanted a dog that was kind of in that 35, 40 pound range. I didn't want, you know, something that was going to be knocking lamps off the, mm-hmm. off the end tables and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, so, so you know, Pearl's, um, 30, you know, right, right in there, 35 to 40 pounds, just kind of right in that sweet spot. So, right. and, dude, she's the, probably the sweetest dog you'd ever meet. So, you know, we kind of feel like we not, not only like obviously the breed was very, you know, uh, attracted to us, but we we feel like we got like the quintessential breed uh, right. of the breed in in our dog. So you know, no complaints at all. Well, so, I yeah, I, like I said, I I'm I'm definitely excited, man, and I love to get out there. Now you, this is her what season? What number season? So she'll be going into her second season. So last year was her first season. Um, she was born in April, so she was a little young yet. You know, I kind of, I, I would run her on, um, you know, there's a little preserve, hunt, uh, not a hunting preserve, just a, a nature preserve by my house. And they got a couple of cubbies of quail, California quail, um, that you know, these huge plum thickets. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I used to run her in there kind of over the winter, her first year before I did any like real, real serious training with her. And uh, just to kind of like, develop that prey drive, like see what kind of, what kind of natural points she had. And uh, until I got kicked out of there because all, right. all the biologists were like, you can't run your dog. She's going to, she's going to catch a quail and right. kill it. And all you know, I was like, okay, you know, I guess probably should have thought twice about this, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, um, so, you know, she had gotten a lot of, wild, I mean, I'm real thankful because I gave her a lot of wild bird exposure real young. Mm-hmm. Um, but but really, this this season that just just passed was her first full you know you know out there put logging a ton of miles right you know chasing pheasant and quail right here. now was so, it yeah. was was there any kind of particular training method that you decided to go with or you just kind of you know just kind of like I said flew by the seat of your pants yeah you know it, it, again like I I I'm, I'm the kind of guy that like I, I read too many different things and it mm-hmm. becomes this kind of like <laughs> this like full grab bag and I'm sure some of them are like working against each other mm-hmm. and again just like anyone's first bird dog typically it's like you're just you're just lucky you got good breeding because right, <laughs> right. <laughs> she made up she made up for so many mistakes and things that I made and like you know I was doing like wing on a string when I was doing um 
uh, you know, again, actually, I had my buddy John Sykes, who's a, who's a phenomenal trainer out in uh, Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. He helped me kind of navigate the e-collar training and all that. And so, um, but yeah, she had a ton of natural point in her. She had a ton of, I mean, ton of prey drive. Right. And um, and it was just again real biddable. Like she wants to make you happy. So it's like she did not need a heavy hand at all. Uh, just this past. This past off season, you know, we've been working a lot on on kind of a, uh, you know, not not a force fetch because again, like I said, she doesn't need the pressure like that um, to to do what you're asking her to do generally. Um, but we're doing kind of like a train hold, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of getting her to to hold it all the way until you know I give her the okay to to give it to me, <laughs> you right. know, like because she was again she's a she's a puppy so she would bring the bring the bird and and drop it within five feet of me and I was like all right like you know if I wanted to pick up birds like I don't need a bird dog you know right. so I want you to bring it to me and I want you to put my hand out and then I want you to release it when I tell you to so right we've been that's kind of what we're focusing on now and um but yeah like I said she's she's been she's kind of directed a lot of the training herself almost it's like okay you know, just kind of get her out there with some launchers and she'll point them. Not, I mean, we try not to do many launchers anymore just right. because I don't want her to side point things and all that kind of thing. But she got a phenomenal nose. So it's like, it's, it's not that challenging to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's usually like kind of that, that first bird, you know, when you're, when you're out there after you haven't gone in a week or so and it's like, okay, um, you know, she got to like, remember what she's supposed to be doing. Right. <laughs> like, she'll, 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 she'll she'll bust the bird or if I shoot one, she won't retrieve it. And I, so it's kind of like, I got to like, you know, that was this whole season was just reinforcing that. And, um, and she busted a ton of birds early on. Um, and then, uh, but really by the end of the season, she was kind of really, it was starting to all click for her and, and, uh, got some, got a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun birds. So, um, actually one, one bird. And I actually, I wrote about this in, uh, in uh, I think this, the first issue of Project Upland Magazine was, um, you know, I was real kind of dubious about just kind of her point. She wasn't point. She pointed. She didn't point till real late. She was. I mean, I mean, must have been at least ten months old before I saw a real, honest to god point out of her. Right. And um, and so I was kind of like, you know, emailing the breeder, <laughs> emailing all my friends, like, like I think I got a broken dog. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just real, you know, nervous about it. I was kind of like, am I doing something wrong? Like, what's going on? And so, um, but so I made the commitment. I said, you know, the first bird that my dog points and I shoot it and she fully does a real retrieve to me, then I'm going to get that bird mounted. And so around about um, November of last year, you know, she actually, she did it. And it was on this, and uh, it was on this raggedy old pheasant. Actually, it was a young pheasant that was, yeah, so kind of got a feather, a young pheasant stupid enough to get caught slipping. No, no, that's right. I mean, it was a wild pheasant, so it was it's wily and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, so I mean, it was actually amazing. Um, you know, I was kind of like walk, just walking on this old railroad grade, no more railroad tracks on it, which old railroad grade and um, abandoned. And I'm just kind of trudging along, kind of a little bit in my head, like. Cause she wasn't having a great day. She'd already busted a covey of quail. And I was just kind of like, man, like this is not turning out the way I was hoping it was going to. Yeah. And then she locked up on point on this pheasant. Um, well, I didn't know it was a pheasant at the time, but she locked up on point. Like, I mean, I was like fumbling to get my camera out to take a picture. It was such a p- perfect point. I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like, here we go. So I, so I snapped my, snapped my picture and I, and I kind of walk up to it and, uh, 
And sure enough, you know, a pheasant goes up. And, I mean, it scared me. I was really close to it. And it, like, startled me, and I shot, and I missed, of course. So I kind of let it get a little bit of range, and I, and I throw another shot at it, and I knock it down. And she goes tearing off after the bird. And uh, and it's kind of doing the flop a little bit on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was like, okay, she's going to grab it, and it'll be great. And I was getting real excited, you know. But then, of course, it jumps up, and it, like, jumps off the, the grade and kind of coasts down into this, like, you know, shoulder high, you know, like CRP, like mm-hmm. wheat, grass, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like her <laughs> like first beautiful point, like that, and I just blew it with the shot. And, uh, but, you know, she kind of turns around and looks at me and I'm like, go get it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, go get it. You did it now. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, dead bird, get it, you know? And so she just like, like a rocket just bullets out into this field and like, I can hear her bell and I can kind of see the grass swaying, but I mean, she's 150 yards away from me and I'm like, Oh, this, I'm, you know, this is all over, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I kind of, I go down into this, into this field and I'm kind of walking towards where I can kind of see her moving along and I'm hearing the bell and all of a sudden the bell stops. And I was like, Oh man, like, you know, she might be pointing something else. So I start kind of trying to hustle over there. And then, then I hear the, then I hear this like crazy ruckus and the bell's going crazy again. And all of a sudden she like comes out into this little clearing and she's got this bird in her mouth, just flapping like crazy. Just like, <laughs> like, like fully, like, like, I mean, unbelievable that, you know, she fully tracked this thing down and, and, uh, and, and got it and brought it right back to me. Like just fearless, just like, like going crazy in her mouth. Yeah. So I grabbed the bird and, and the whole thing. And, and, uh, and of course, I, I teared up a little bit. It was a, it was a, it was an important moment for me. Oh, of course. <laughs> Look, those, those are the moments that you're never gonna forget, man. I mean, oh, dude, yeah. Well, no. And so I took the bird to the taxidermist, and uh, I mean, dude, it was like it was a, a younger pheasant. Didn't even have all the all the blue on its head yet. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, and again, like this was a mortal struggle for this animal. So it was missing all kinds of feathers, and the taxidermist is like. Uh, you sure you want to? You sure you want to mount this? Like, yeah. Like, like this is not. This is hardly a specimen. And I'm like, no, dude. Like, this is better than a trophy. Like, this is. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's kind of told the story. And he was like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. But so I have, I have that just, just busted up pheasant sitting on top of my, uh, top of my mantle. Like my house, so. That's the best kind, man. I mean, it's it, it truly tells you, you know, again, going back to natural ability, like, and I think it's a little bit to do with, like, law of attraction. I'm, I'm that kind of guy that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying, if you think about it enough and you get out there and you just keep pushing it, um, you know, you will you will come into the bird and, and, and the moment is going to be so right and so perfect. You know what I'm saying, and and it's just got a the light bulb has a click for the dog, man. Um, and, oh yeah, and, and yeah. these guys know what they're doing, and they know what you want them to do. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely, and, and I mean, it just makes me just beyond thrilled about this coming season, just because mm-hmm. I felt like by the end of the season it was really clicking, and she was doing great, and like you know was busting birds only every so often, and doing good with the retrieves and the holding. So I was just like, I can't wait for for this season to, uh, to mm-hmm. go. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, you know, and I, I want to, I guess the theme of this podcast is, is the business of bird dogging. But before we even get into that, um, you know, I really want to hear about your background, man. Like, 
I don't think I've ever spoke to you about that. Like, where did it all start for you? Uh, well, you where did where did uh, hunting start? Yeah, like or just yeah, just the whole thing. <laughs> just the the start from day one. Like, I don't. You know, all I've right, always well, known that you've had an exotic breed, but like, how did it all? How did the pieces to the puzzle kind of come together? Okay, well, you got a minute here. <laughs> so, so, so I was I was born and raised in California, um, to a to in a non hunting family. So mm-hmm. you know, like my dad didn't even like want to take fish off the hook when we caught them as kids, type thing. Like just what? no real interest in any of that. Um, we were like a beach and lake family. Like we would go water skiing and surfing. Like I grew up mm-hmm. in coastal California. So mm-hmm. um, so that was kind of that was my whole life, honestly. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, out of college, um, I was, I actually moved down to Southern California and, uh, and lived there for 17 years. I got married and my wife and I settled out there and, uh, you know, again, lots of surfing. And then during the, um, you know, during certain times of the year, I started getting into spearfishing and lobster diving. So I do me and a couple buddies, we free dive and and spearfish and all that and so when wow. yeah, we used to say you know when we when there was waves we'd surf when there was no waves we'd lobster dive and and uh, spearfish so so it was kind of like its own form of hunting i guess mm-hmm. you know because you really are you're stalking animals you know and so it's a and I, I just absolutely loved it couldn't get enough of it and then um I was also, you know, got into fly fishing a little bit later too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously where I lived in California, there were some really, really cool fly fishing spots. And so I was always kind of geared outdoors, you know, as far as that goes, but still no, nothing with, you know, nothing with hunting at all. Um, and then, uh, oh gosh, probably when I was about 20, about 10, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, um, there was a, uh, I, actually, and I never shot a gun um, until I was 25. And so, okay. um, so, yeah, there was a, um, it was like an escape convict situation <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and there was, uh, there was a helicopter like flying around my neighborhood and I, I didn't live in like in, I mean, in any kind of rough neighborhood at all. I mean, we lived in kind of a more, you know, agricultural area in, in uh, Ventura County right? and there was a helicopter flying around like with a spotlight, like on a manhunt type thing. And it was like flushed into my backyard and, and so it kind of like you know made my wife and i nervous and i'm like all right i'm gonna go get a gun you know there's i felt like really like vulnerable mm-hmm. so of course like when i went to big five and i and i uh and then there's a two-week waiting period in california so i i bought a uh a mossberg you know 590 defender it was like full-blown like black gun heat mm-hmm. shield like mm-hmm. look like a swat team gun this the street yeah. sweepers <laughs> Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. 18 and a half inch barrel. And I was kind of like, all right, this, this is it. And so I, I got, got the gun two weeks later and literally never shot it, put it under, my, put it under my bed. And was like, I don't even know if I had like shells loaded in or anything. It was like, this is my home protection gun. And it was just kind of like, it just sat there, dude, for years. And I mean, right. this is obviously like cringeworthy now, like how kind of irresponsible it was um, in the sense of like, you know, I was a responsible person, but it was like I was not a responsible gun owner in the sense of like I, I mean, in, in a in a high stress situation, like I wouldn't even have known like how to get the safety off. I literally didn't shoot this gun. Right. So it was it was kind of a bad scene. Eventually, I did and and uh, went out and you know shot you know shot some clay targets type thing and whatnot just with buddies. But mm-hmm. um, 
but then it really wasn't until uh, I moved to Idaho and um, and I had I brought the gun with me, you know, just because I moved. And uh, and one day um, uh, at church, a 72 year old man came up to me and said, hey, do you want to go bird hunting? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right cool <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds fun what do i need and he's like well you need a shotgun and, a, and an orange and an orange hat you know and so uh you know idaho has the uh has the hunting passport so you don't have to get you don't have to get a, a license your first year right you know which is a phenomenal program obviously you know mm-hmm. i mean and so um i mean again i don't know actually i, I shouldn't say that because i i probably would have got my license to try it out but anyway um so I show up one day and I bring my, my Mossberg 590 Defender and he kind of like, he looks at it and he's like, all right, he's like, well, that'll, that'll take a bird down, you know? <laughs> so, so we went out and he, he's the guy, he had two Britneys and uh, first day out, you know, just actually really good bird dogs and they uh, pointed a pheasant, pheasant got up and he's like, all right, you get first shot at this, you know? So the pheasant gets up and I actually hit it with my first ever shot and uh, knocked the bird down, and, and this dog brought it back, and I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I mean, it's literally like an instant, instant love affair, you know, mm-hmm. as far as that goes. So, mm-hmm. um, so I mean, again, that was kind of like, that was it, dude. I was sold. And so, you know, a year later, I had a double gun. Two years after that, I had a bird dog, and, you know, it's just kind of like the rest is history. So, right. um, and it's also spooled into everything else. Like, I'm a, you know, pretty avid turkey hunter now and you know go deer hunting and i mean so yeah i'm i'm all about it dude all the all in so um so anyhow so that was that and then um i got connected with uh project upland so so i i obviously am not the founder of project upland aj aj de rosa is Mm -hmm. and um uh so actually one day i put up a picture of stan is actually the guy that i would bird hunt with put a picture of Stan's dog ready on Instagram and I put a hashtag, um, pheasants forever hashtag, which I never hashtag anything. And I rarely even post anything on Instagram. So yeah, but when you do, I love your, your stuff anywho, but go ahead. Oh yeah. Well, I appreciate that. But, um, but anyway, so he, um, so project Upland liked the picture and I'm sure it was probably just because of the hashtag, you know? And so, and I saw this logo come through, and I was like, that's a cool-looking logo. Clicked on it, and I saw the Project Upland Instagram feed. I mean, at the time, I think there were like four or 5,000 people following it, you know? So it mm-hmm. was quite a – still pretty young. And um, and I looked at it, and I was like, man, this is gorgeous. And uh, and then in the description, it said, um, you know, the uh, uh, bird hunt, epic bird hunting video, you know, film series. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, hold on now. So a little bit of background, I had worked in film and television for 10 years. And so, you know, I was always, I was curious about content and, and video. And so I clicked on that, watched the video. I'm like, man, this is really good. Like, this is a lot better than like your typical hunting content. And so, um, so I just shot off a little co- cold email contact to the contact form there and got connected with AJ. And uh, yeah, basically, you know, again, I can go way deep into that, but the rest is history. We ended up, um, probably about six months later, um, becoming business partners and, and, uh, yeah, Northwoods collective, which is our agency, you know, was formed and, you know, project Upland is a part of that now. And, and, uh, yeah, dude, that was, that was, uh, three years ago. So, wow. Well, again, for me, I, I'm glad to know that because, 
No, you don't really post a lot of content on, on Instagram and stuff. But when you do, I'm always, you know, I, I, I try to beeline it to make sure I go look at the photos. But your images have a certain, um, they're composed a certain kind of way. So, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And and, and I really, yeah. really enjoy it. And I was kind of like, damn, like, did he go to art school or something? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, 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 that's, that's, uh, that's, that's funny that you, that's, I, I did not go to art school, if you're wondering. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, you know, the, the, uh, the, the whole uh, reason behind why, why I like this, basically, I, I post pictures in, what's called, you know, um, cinescope, which is like, you know, if you look at a, at a traditional movie, that's like a widescreen movie with like the letterboxing, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, mm-hmm. a 2.39 to one ratio, um, uh, of the image. And so, you know, I just think it like, this is again, kind of my background in working in film. It was like, I just love that look i think it just has like this instant kind of cinematic look to it right so so yeah so i started i mean that again even before really pro- i was a part of project upland or anything i was i was kind of doing that and then um i always have you know uh, i had got into film and television through photography um and writing so so i kind of had that a little more of a created in and again that's that's a whole other chapter of my life almost mm-hmm. um, but um but yeah, so it, it, it basically, then, then I kind of went on a kick of like, I figured, you know, in 2019, I'm going to post nothing but black and white. So that's why, you know, again, and it, it may be just be everyday scenes, but I try to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit picky, I guess, with like, I want to try to do something, nice pictures and nice images. And so and it's part of a creative outlet, because again, what I do for Project Upland by and large is, is kind of the business end of things. And so it's a nice little scratches that creative itch for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. as in, as infrequently as I do it. I, I need to do it more. I know I should, but I run the Northwoods collective Instagram account and that's, that's enough work for me <laughs> <laughs> as, far, as far as that goes. And then I get to post other people's pictures. So it's like, okay, you know, I got a lot more to choose from. <laughs> well, look, I, I'm definitely impressed and I'm taking notes on that because I've always like I really like the way that 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 your images look and I was like dang like how do I do that (laughs) and I'm I'm, you know I'm an artist so I'm always just looking at stuff and trying to um you know trying to get a certain look and image for my own stuff and and it, it, to, it's just very impressive to me. So, like I said, I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. No, I, I enjoy doing it, and and uh, yeah, it gives me kind of pushes me a little bit when I give attention to it. And, I, and I'll, I'm going to try to be a little more attentive. But you know, you know how that goes. Sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> man. Look, I get it, my friend. I definitely get it. Um, so you know, in again, in lieu of that. Um, you know, you've got this this business savvy that I've I've been really, really, really impressed with, but also um, you know, it like I said, it's really been influential for me, um, you know, as as a podcast producer and, and all of this stuff, because for the longest time I was just doing it all on my own. You know, and you yeah. came in and, and I got introduced to you and so on and so forth. So with that being said, that kind of leads me into, like I said, the business of bird dogging. Um, yeah. And 
piggybacking off of off of the whole imagery thing, you know, I think branding is something that is very, very, very important if you are trying to make a name for yourself in this particular bird dog circle and stuff like that. You know, sure. do you think that is, you know, I guess is that a way to get your foot in the door is making sure that what you're producing is distinct enough to catch attention? Oh, yeah, no, I, I think absolutely. I think, again, that was like, um, you know, anybody who's kind of remotely familiar, like I think if you see a Project Upland picture go up, like it's almost immediately recognizably Project Upland. Mm -hmm. I think that that was one of the, that was one of the big things that attracted me to it um, just even before I was a part of it was like it had such a clear sense of, um, of identity, um, visual identity. And that was all, that was really important to me. Um, so I think that, you know, again, if you look at like iconic brands through history, you know, like, you know, think about like Coca-Cola or Home Depot. I mean, you just, you just name it, you know, and it's kind of like they have their color, they have their logo, they have their font, they have their, their lookbook. I know that there's a lot of like, you know, some of it's like seat of the pants type stuff that, right. that, that people do, but you know, you see people that really take their time and are really deliberate about things. I think that they have a lot longer staying power. And so I think that that was like, you know, impressed me immediately about project Upland. And I think that that's, um, it, it's not always visual. I should say, you know, obviously Instagram is, is the, is the hotness right now. So, you know, that people are kind of leaning that way, but, but I think that just kind of like a really, really, you know, comprehensive approach to brand is going to be hugely important for anybody. And so, um, but I think, but I think it has to be really natural and organic to the person though. I think that everybody knows right away if you're kind of putting on airs and trying to create this brand that's not actually authentically you, I think that people just call BS in an instant, you know? So, right. so I think that it's a little bit of both where it's like, you got to be intentional about it, but you got to be authentic about it at the same time. And, you know, and, and that's tough, man, because again, I, and, and not that I'm good at it or something because, because, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit of like, I, it, it almost feels like too self-conscious for me. So that's why mm -hmm. it's probably why I don't post very much. <laughs> right. No, I, I definitely get that, man. But you know, it, it does have to be authentically you. And, and I think it's an interesting challenge when you say, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, on a creative level, I'm only going to post in black and white this year, you know, because, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, after a while, you know, you will, you'll start to learn that and you'll start to come, you know, into your own with, you know, the, the, the imagery and you'll kind of grow with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, I mean, think about it. I mean, you're an artist, right? So, mm -hmm. So, you know, you're dealing with a canvas and mm -hmm. the, the dimensions of that canvas are some of the, the rules you're setting for yourself, right? right? You're like, if I'm doing a piece that's 11 by 17 versus, you know, 36 by 24, those are two very different approaches you take to it. And if you say, listen, all I'm going to do is a series of 12, 11 by 17s, you're going to force yourself into thinking creatively about it. So, you know, one of the things, so, uh, you know, my, again, my former life was as a, as a screenwriter, <laughs> right. and and producer and so it was one of those things like like if you wanted to actually make a living writing for mm -hmm. you know for a living uh writing you know television and movies and books and things like that like you had to have the self-discipline of like writing every single day so i had like quotas where i said i'm gonna write you know 
3,000 words today, and I might throw them away tomorrow, but I'm going to do it, and I'm, you know, and I'm going to grind at it over and over and over again. And I think that's in the midst of that grind, that's when the inspiration comes. I think that a lot of artists, you know, get hung up in kind of waiting to feel that kind of, you know, buzz in the belly to go start working. It's like, no, 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 you work. And the inspiration strikes you in the middle of the work. Right. You know, um, and, and, and I, I'm sure you've experienced this, right? You're just like, man, I just, I got to work. I got to do something. And you're, and you're in the middle of doing it. You're not happy with it. And all of a sudden you hit that moment of flow where you're like, all right. <laughs> right. right. We all know what that, we all know what that feels like. And I think that anybody in their work, if it's, if it's work that you love and is gratifying, sometimes it's a grind. Sometimes it's like, oh, I just got to, I just got to do it. Right. And then, and then in the midst of doing it and being, and being diligent about it and having integrity with it, it's like, boom, it, it hits where you're just like, okay, like now I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if you wait around to feel it before you do it, I think you're going to be waiting around a long, long time. Right. <laughs> in my, at least for me, in my experience, you know, it's like, like, it's like you with this podcast, man. Like you were grinding on this before anybody was, you know, paying attention to it and throwing money at it or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you, you did it because it was a passion. Sometimes you're like, oh, man, I got to drop an episode this week. And you're like, I don't really feel like it, but you did it anyway. But you so got to do that, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that with that kind of perspective and that's kind of like the business of bird dog and like, like, um, you know, you if you don't train your dog, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm kind of doing a spin on this now, but, you know, you're not always going to feel like getting out there and, and running your dog. Right. You know, and uh, but if you but if you you know that if you do it, you're going to enjoy it. It's like going to the gym. It's like eating healthy. It's like doing anything. You know? It, it, you it just really it. takes that discipline. No, seriously, it, it really uh, takes that discipline, man. Um, yeah. You no, know, I, I mean, dude, trust, trust me. I, I, I'd run across some just incredibly talented writers, mm-hmm. incredibly talented photographers. And just in the last 15 years of my life. And it's just kind of like, you know, the ones that are, that are on that grind and talented, are the ones that succeed. Right. You know, like, so all the talent in the world isn't going to get you there. And just the grind alone isn't going to get you there. It's got to be kind of a marrying of the two. And if you do that, like, and that's, that's the kind of like why AJ and I clicked so, so quickly way back, you know, a couple years ago now, like, because like, this is a dude who is insanely talented and just like, like is a workhorse, you know? Right. And, uh, and like, I, that's what I kind of always aspired to be my entire career. And so, um, you know, again, I, and I, and I've seen, and we've seen the, 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 the fruits of that, you know, and with project Upland and other, and other things we're working on. So mm-hmm. it's exciting, man. You know? Well, it, it, it really is, man. Um, you know, I'm motivated by you guys. Like every time I talk to you or I talk to AJ, you know, you guys are constantly ticking and constantly, you know, innovating things, you know, for me outside of the art world, you know, training my dog and, and figuring out weird little quirks as to, you know, making the, the training scenario more real or more natural or more efficient or effective, you know, that's kind of my thing. And I, and I think to be in this particular industry, you know, spinning off into yeah. bird dog training, I really do appreciate the folks that are constantly inventing things. You know, my, my buddy, yeah, um, yeah. You know, my, my buddy Paul Cook um, from Alder Fork English Setters, um, he was laughing at me the other day. We were we were texting and he's like, man, I actually think you're a real dog trainer now. And I, I started cracking up. 
um, because I was sending him this this bird launcher thing like a, a, about a week or so ago. I've been tweaking this this uh, Lion Country Supply bird launcher, and he was like, "Man, you know, you know, you were really head, you know, neck deep in it." <laughs> When you start making adjustments and and tweaking this and tweak and for the long and for days, I just was really thinking like, okay, you know, how do I make this situation better? And I think it sure. does take a, a a mind of just always trying to figure this out with with the gun dog notebook. Like, yeah, man, yeah. like I, I started recording this in a truck. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that's real. I mean, again, like, and this is the same kind of thing, dude. Like. I, so, so I had first kind of my, my first kind of entrance into just media and entertainment or whatever was, I mean, I was like trying to hu- do some side hustle photography just because I, you know, I had a kind of a pro an early prosumer camera back in the days of film. And I'd like take people's pictures and like senior portraits and all mm-hmm. kinds of random stuff mm-hmm. just to make some extra cash. And, uh, and then I got my first digital camera, which was an old Canon 7D. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that kind of was like, like all of a sudden it was the ability to shoot video. Right. So I started like literally just, it was like home movie type stuff, dude. I was just, you know, taking pictures and filming things and then, um, randomly got kind of dis- discovered about that and started working on music videos. Right. So, so, you know, I did a, did a bunch of like, kind of like B camera type stuff on music videos and then. And then that kind of gave way to like writing treatments for them. So, you know, for people who don't know, it's like every music video you probably have ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's like that starts as a single sheet of paper where someone says, all right. And then the band is standing on a rooftop and you're doing a 360 pan. And, you know, mm-hmm. and right. then, 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 then there's a woman in a coffee shop and the barista writes his number, you know, like whatever the story is. You know what I mean? Like, right. like that's, that's a treatment. So I actually started writing those for um for this director that i was working with and then um then eventually i got into producing them because it it was it was all kind of for me just tinkering to figure out well number one like you know there's there's a finite amount of money you can make as a cameraman (laughs) right and and then and then there's a there's a next the next letter that well if i'm a cameraman and a writer then then that's kind of like adding to the repertoire right it's like okay i can make so much money doing that and then it was like, wait a minute. Then there's this producer role of like the actual business of getting these things made. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, wow. Like, and that's what a producer is, right? It's like, I'm actually, you're figuring out a way to take it from that single sheet of paper to a finished product. And right. there's budgets and there's relationships and there's crew and the whole thing. And it's like, wait a minute. Okay. And so like, I just kind of just gobbled up each piece of that as I could. Because really, it was, I mean, it, and for me, again, it was work, right? I, I right. was trying to feed my family. I was trying to pay my rent. Like, it was like, like I was living in L.A., and, and it's not cheap. And so it was like, that was just, you know, 24-7 hustle. And so um, so I think that that's kind of where my, 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 my business, you know, whatever, you know, acumen at this point. Like I don't have any background. I mean, you know, in, in it otherwise. It's all been, again, seat of my pants. Yeah. <laughs> figuring it out. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's been a really cool, you know, um, um, you know, being able to bring that kind of sensibility and, and, uh, I, I, I don't, I would never ever in a million years call it expertise cause it's far from expert, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's certainly the, 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 it's certainly ambition anyway, for as far as I'm concerned. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. to project Upland and everything they are doing now. So, 
Well, I I yeah. think the whole of Northwoods Collective and Project Upland is based around that, right? Like, sure. You know, none of us have gone out and said, "Oh, we are the latest, greatest experts, professionals." Blah 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 blah. Right? It. Oh yeah. yeah. You, you know, I get the feeling. You know, almost like the neighborhood kids where. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you grow up with kids, and he's like, oh, wow, you're cool, too. You, you like what I do. Let's get together. And, and next, you know, five, ten years down the road, you've got this yeah. this 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 thing. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the sandbox mentality of, you know, let's build together. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and I, I think that's what it takes, you know, nowadays in, you know, in this particular industry, you know, it's always great to talk about dog training, but if we're going to talk about like, um, you know, the next generation of folks and, and, and more people coming in, well, I'm excited to record this podcast with you because people need to know what matters coming in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? You can be a great dog trainer, but now, you know, with the the drive and the push for social media, now I guess we need to kind of consider what really matters. You know what I'm saying? Like 40, 50 yeah. years yeah. ago, social media was was a Delmar Smith book. You know what I'm saying? Like you just go yeah, pick right, it up. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and now... V- VHS tapes. It, VHS tapes, right. <laughs> you know, VHS <laughs> tapes. And, and then you got... VHS. Right. And, and so yeah. then you've got that and then and you might have to know somebody to yeah. to really get into it and, and you are lucky if you grew up with it. Now it's oh, you yeah. know, it's not hard to get access to this stuff. Oh yeah. No, I and, and you're hundred percent right. And I think that I think that the entire the entire um you know, I mean, the millennial generation and, and Gen Z coming right after them. Um, it, you know, I, I think that that's very much driven by a, a DIY, um, DIY, not DIY, <laughs> DIY mm-hmm. ethos, right? Where it's like, like, you know, most people aren't going to, you know, turn their dog over to a trainer, right. you know, they can't, they, they either can't afford it or they don't want to, they don't want to go without their dog for two months. You know? Yeah, so they, I am definitely so that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So and again, I'm wired the same way. So I'm kind of like, you know, I want to figure it out myself and I have the same kind of curiosity about it. I think that's the general ethos. And so I think that people, um, you know, that, that are people in the professional industry, as far as like the professional dog trainers and whatever else, like they certainly have to bring the same level of excellence that they bring to their training to the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. You can't, can't ignore any of it anymore right i mean that's 100 percent true right so you can't pretend like social media doesn't exist i mean if you look at like some of the top breeders and kennels like i just know like for instance you know you know jc you know mm-hmm. at no limits like mm-hmm. you know i mean super active super busy doing his thing um i mean you think about anthony at at uh you know with, with fetching feathers you yep. think about um bart ramsey with southern oak kennels like you're just looking at these guys and they're just like they're they're bringing the entire um you know, they're making the, the, the whole thing a full 360, you know, experience, um, mm-hmm. you know, to what their, what their brand is and what they're trying to accomplish. And, and no matter, you know, how you feel about 
any particular person in that, whether you're like, Oh, that guy's, that guy's cool. That guy's not or whatever. Right. It's like, like that's part of what you have to do if you're trying to, you know, trying to establish yourself in this stuff. And so, you know, uh, again, I got kind of going back to that initial thing, like it's gotta be authentic. It's gotta be real. And, and coupling that with what we just kind of been talking about, like you gotta do, you gotta grind on it. You mm-hmm. can't, you know, it, it's not going to take care of itself. It's not going to happen on its own. You gotta, you gotta hustle on it. And so, um, so I think people that number one are, are actually fundamentally talented and have something to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then couple that with, with that, that grind and, and the authenticity. And I think that that's how you win today. You know, I think that, um, you know, and it, it can't be, it can't be, you know, foisted on yourself. You gotta, you gotta, it's gotta be coming from who you are. And I think right. that that's like, obviously like initially when I, you know, first started kind of taking a look at what you were doing, it was like, you know, this is Darrell, like it's, this is a hundred percent you in every way, in, in every nook and cranny of it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that that speaks to people. And, uh, and, and I think that, you know, you kind of alluded to it earlier, the fact that none of us are counting ourselves out as pro- professional bird hunters, professional dog trainers or anything like we're just very passionate novices. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> So one thing that I do like about Onyx Maps is we're talking about best time to train your dogs. You're talking about the best places to train. And those places are in the wild public lands where you can find all these Bob Whites that nobody says are here in Georgia, apparently. But um, anywho, check out Onyx Maps, guys. I use it. It's been a great resource for me. I save all my spots there. I'll definitely be getting Vegas back on it come next season. Check out the Onyx Hunt app. So it's funny that sometimes, you know, we get, we get a little bit of grief, you know, from, from people that are, you know, probably a little more part of the established industry. And mm-hmm. it's like, like, I was like, guys, listen, like we have never, and I mean, AJ and I have been on some pretty hilarious you know, like phone calls with people like, listen, like we have never claimed to be the experts on any of this stuff. Like right. we're just trying, we're trying to navigate it ourselves. Like right. I said, I, I, I've been bird hunting for five years, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, that's, that's, I'm a baby. As far as like I've had, I've had one season with my own bird dog. Like right. again, like this, you know, AJ has his first bird dog. So you, you, if you think about that, it's like we're not trying to become the authority on anything. Mm-hmm. You know, all we're we're just simply trying to be a resource. And so that's the thing. So Project Upland in in kind of its current iteration is like, listen, we're here to, to inspire people. You know, people that 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 are new to hunting, that are relapsed in hunting, and to that aren't hunters that have been hunting for 20 years but still get fired up about it. Like, we want to speak to all of them. We want to inspire all of them to do it more and get out there more and train their dogs better and everything. Right. But we also want to educate people. We want we want people to get become aware of like you know we want Project Upland to be a resource when if you're like man I really want to go hunt sharp tail in North Dakota, we want to be able to show you a film about that right we want to be able you know we want you to to be able to you know look at what are the regulations what you know what does sharp tail habitat look like and mm-hmm. you know what are what are some threats to the species that i need to be aware of aware of it from a conservation standpoint mm-hmm. so again like we we want to you know we think project upland is in kind of a, a a prime position to really be that resource of inspiration and education and all that for people mm-hmm. not that not that you know this is not some cult of celebrity or, you know, like you have to, 
you know, be part of our bloodline or something like that. It's like, no, 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 no. Like just listen, if you're, if you want to go bird hunting, like we want to be there for you. Right. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> you know, like, wherever you are on the spectrum, like you, you're, we're here for you, you know? Right. And, and I think that that's through and through like, and that's not just because we, you know, um, again, that's authentic, so to speak to, to who and AJ and I are as people and, and what we're passionate about personally, well beyond business or anything like that. It's like, that's, that's very, very important to us. And so, um, so yeah, so I think that, that that's kind of the, you know, looking to the future of what, what, um, you know, hunting is going to be. I think that to survive and to thrive, I think that small game hunting is a huge, huge part of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, um, and I think that us as a, the current community of small game, you know, upland waterfowl, which is like our endless migration stuff. Um, you know, I, I think that that we have to have you know, big open arms and we have to be really like open, open, uh, open minded about it and, and really open to people coming at us from all kinds of different life experiences, all kinds of different subcultures. And it's mm-hmm. like, you, you, you got to embrace all of it and, and accept all of it and be like, okay, like now, now again, like, you know, but we also don't want to shy away from, from ethics and from conservation things. And so, um, and so we're very curious about that and we want to explore that stuff and we, and we've begun to do that a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I think that all that stuff is so important and we also are, are, are not parochial about anything. So in other words, um, you know, we don't believe that there's competition between Project Upland and any other magazine. Right. Um, and we don't, and we don't think there should be. Or, or Project, listen, you know, Chucker Chasers put out this really rad Chucker hunting film, and it wasn't a Project Upland film. Now, there's some people that, you know, maybe of an older guard that might be, you know, threatened by that. It's like, oh, no, like, this is direct competition to us. And, like, we're just mm-hmm. kind of like, listen, guys, <laughs> you know, that's just not the way this works. It, and you it know? doesn't have yeah. to work like that. Matter of fact, hell, I'm interested in seeing the dang film. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and you should. I mean, it's really well done. And, and that's the thing, too. Like, podcasts are a prime example of this. It's mm-hmm. like, and, and, and I love that, like, that, you know, like the Hunting Dog podcast with Ron, you know, like, mm-hmm. like Ron and I've had so, a lot of really great conversations and he's always been like incredibly welcoming when we started Project Eflin podcast with Nick. Yeah. He's been very welcoming to you. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the sec, the, you know, because here's the reality. If you're putting out a quality product, people are going to engage it. People are going to consume it. Right. And so no one's going to be like, ah, you know. I don't need another podcast. I already listened to Durrell, you know? Right. And and matter of fact, I would hope that like, I'm a, in light of that, I hate to cut you off, but you know, no, 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 no. Sorry. I I, I can't go. No, (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I mean, but seriously, like I am, I'm a podcast junkie. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I actually, crazily enough, don't listen to mine because I spend so much time editing. I, I hear it a hundred million times by the time it's done. So I move it like, you know, I, I've always told people Ron's podcast was what got me into the, to interested in the podcast game. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's kind of like the godfather of it all. And yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then I moved to Project Upland podcast and then I go to Travis's podcast, um, you know, yeah. Upchecker and, and and then go to yeah. Tyler Webster's. Like it shouldn't yeah. be a division. It shouldn't be a competition. Now, I I will say 
Um, and I'm curious <laughs> oh, to... You're, you're going to say something now. I'm in trouble, I think. <laughs> going to happen right now. Well, I, 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 I guess I have this lingering thought. I'm always interested in hearing new stuff anyway, so I'm not the one that's concerned. But, like, is the... Po- it, is, is there going to be a... Do you think there's going to be a time when the bird hunting podcast is, is going to get so many that it starts to get saturated? That's been a fear of mine. Yeah, you know, and here's what I know 100% of the time, you know, cream rises, right? Mm-hmm. So so um, the best stuff is always going to stand out above the rest. And, and again, I think that, that there can be tons. But you also know that, that you know, it, it is not easy maintaining a podcast. Shoot, no. So, <laughs> so, so, so you know what I mean? Like, like, so, you know, again, I mean, people, I mean, podcasts is ridiculous. I mean, basically, I, I compare it to, like, what blogs were 10 years ago, yes. you know? Um, where actually probably more than ten years ago now, but um, um, you know, like right when blog, right when bloggers started, right? We mm-hmm. all remember that. It's like, and I mean, they were creating like <laughs> thousands a day of yeah. people starting blogs, and you remember these things, and it's like, you know, they would post really, really consistently for a month, you know, maybe two, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's like, man, this is work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and, and then, it, and then it take, I mean, heck, I, I'm pretty sure I like at one point started three or four different blogs. You know, mm-hmm. on my, oh me, <laughs> you and me I'm, both. I did, and then I stopped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that's what that's what I'm saying. And I think, and I think that podcasts are the new blog. Like anyone can start one, anyone can maintain one. Mm-hmm. Now, 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 I think that there's very few people that are going to do it consistently enough and well enough to last over the long haul. So I think that just in the same way, like if you think about. Um, you know, shoot. I mean, think about websites that started as blogs, like think about BuzzFeed or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and all that was was just like some dude in his basement, like posting, right. <laughs> sharing links. You know, or I mean, you name it. And, and there's there's so many sites like that that now they're you know enormous industries and they're literally un you know competitive with CNN for news. You know right. that kind of thing. Like, like I think that that's the way podcasts are going. Honestly, I think that's. That I mean, listen. Anybody that can launch a quality podcast into the space and maintain it well and do a good job, like I think that there's always going to be room for those people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, think about this. A couple of years back, um, I mean, people have been wringing their hands in the TV industry about they're calling it peak TV, right? Where it's like there are so many TV shows that are being introduced and it's, I mean, it's absurd. It's, it's like mm-hmm. over 400 different TV series exist out there. And it's like over every platform and channel and whatnot. And everyone's like, we can't handle anymore. We can't keep up. And it's like, guess what? It's not stopping. You know, it just right. keeps coming and coming and coming. Now, now those, those bottom 200 are going to die and they're going to get replaced by something else. And maybe those will succeed. And then you'll have something like, you know, the Simpsons that's been on for 40 years. And I mean, I, and I think that that's all media. that kind of ends up going that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so I, so I'll, I'll have to say that I don't, I don't worry about saturation in that sense, because again, the best ones are always going to have a place. Right. Um, and the, and the ones that are quality and consistently quality, I think that, you know, those are the two things you need. Right. Um, so, so, and again, if you look at the, the bird hunting space, you know, there, there's, there's you, Ron, Project Upland, Tyler, and, and Travis, are mm-hmm. all, and, um, you know, and then of course, like, 
And I know that, um, you know, PF has their on the wing and then the Orvis podcast. And mm -hmm. so, and again, like, it, you know, so the, the, there's a handful. They're like, hey, these are all quality, quality streams of, of uh, entertainment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, listen, everybody is spending way more, you know, windshield time, you know, in terms of commuting to and from work. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I think that there's, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of windshield time to accommodate all the different podcasts. But right. I think that if each podcast host or team or whatever just completely focuses on being the absolute best podcast and servicing their audience the best way they can, I think there's always going to be room for that for sure. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, like I said, that, it, that's always just been a lingering thought. And, and again, I just remember you know, I, I keep in the back of my head of, of where I started, like I said, just literally recording off of an iPhone in, in, in my old truck. And, you know, now I've got a home studio situation and I'm always trying to find guests that are, you know, not only interesting, but pushing the bar in their own personal way and contributing sure. something, you know, into the bird dog space. I mean, you know, as, as of recently, especially after partnering with Project Upland, I've gone more in, in lieu of the, the dog training aspect. Um, sure. But, you know, this one was something that I wanted to kind of hop on and address because I feel like it was something that's never really been talked about. Um, yeah. and, and you were the ideal person. So, you know, going on from there, what is it what do you think that is it that people care about is it is it the narrative you know what i'm saying or or is it the dog work because i see it going both ways you see what i'm saying um yeah 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 you know are is is the and by the media aspect of it i mean social media podcasting you know television you know project upland does a really good job at capturing the narrative but then also you've got a you guys have have a ton of really good dog folks on there too. Oh yeah, yeah, I, and I yeah again I think that that kind of goes back a little bit to what I was saying. Um, you know, like you need to inspire and you need to educate. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that. Um, you know, yeah, people people don't get inspired by by you know top ten lists and you know five ways to become a better shotgunner, that kind of, I mean, that's not going to inspire anyone to go hunting, right? right, right. Um, you know, a, a film, a beautiful film, cinematic film of dogs working, of people and having a good time, of the, the entire experience that makes bird hunting so special to all of us, like, that needs to be celebrated, and that's, and that's going to be its own kind of evangelism for, for what, you know, for bird hunting. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that other component, but, you know, then once people are in, like I said, I mean, this is, this is my, um, like going all the way back to the beginning of our conversation. Like I read too many things almost about, like almost ruined my dog, <laughs> you know? So, so there's, there needs to be resources. And like I said, yeah, really high quality dog trainers, high quality, um, you know, um, instructors. Like I said, we have, you know, Keith Coyle, going mm -hmm. through the Churchill method of wing shooting, you know, and actually like writing articles for us, you know, and I read those things 15 times. So I'm generally a terrible shot. Like my son, <laughs> actually we were shooting clays yesterday and, and my son who's 10 outshot me. Like, wow. I, I don't even want, I, I want to say how embarrassing he got, <laughs> how far he outshot me by, you know, but and, and, and again, it's all because of the Churchill method, I think for him, because he doesn't think twice about it. He just, he just points the gun and pulls the trigger. Like, and I'm like, 
are my feet right? Are, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, don't dip my head. You know, like, don't close your eyes. You know, like, all this, uh, I'm in my head too much. And so I just go downhill fast when that happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, Look, we all do. I do the same. <laughs> but yeah, right. So again, all that to say that, that I think that's, um, to, to have long longevity in both, you got to do both. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think you gotta, you gotta bring the value of like, listen, people want to hear engaging stories and guests on your podcast. Right. Um, and I think that people also want to hear, they also want to, you know, have their experience, their bird hunting experience improved by your guests. Like, so if you can bring someone that gets them fired up to go hunting and then also simultaneously helps them become a better hunter, um, in any, in some kind of instru- or dog handler or whatever, in some kind of way, I think you win, man. I think right. that that's hugely important. Right. 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 I mean, and, and it's the culmination of, of all of these things that are, you know, I think are, are really making, um, making the bird dog world actually publicly more accepting, um, you know, to folks that have had no idea, you know, I had, um, Matter of fact, we were getting our carpet. My wife and I were getting our carpet cleaned uh, a, a couple of hours ago today. Um, okay. And some guys, one of the guys is actually from Oakland, California. Um, young black dude, and you know he sees my dogs, and he's like, "Oh, I see." You know, he's I, I had my uh, Dakota kennel on the back of my truck, um, and he pulls up, and he's like, "I see you got a kennel right there." He's like, "What what kind of dog do you have?" And I was like, "Oh, I got a lab and a pointer," and he kind of looked like I know what a lab is, but what in the hell is a pointer? Uh, right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? And so in 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 the in the the 20 minutes that it took for for his buddy to kind of you know start getting the stuff ready and get supplies out, I was kind of like, oh okay. And I took him out back and showed him my dogs, you know. And and they were like, so you know, what do you do with this? What do you do with that? And it, and it generates and garners, um, you know, questions. You see what I'm saying? To to somebody that has had no clue. You know, with it, and I take yeah. the dog out, do a couple of little, you know, simple little retrieving drills, not, something to, to not embarrass myself with. And that's typically when your dog goes on strike. Ex- exactly. No, 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 no. He's, he's really good, I promise. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, shoot, no, and and no, uh, 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 Pearl never does a good job when I bring anyone hunting with me. That's just the way it works. <laughs> like, All right, this is how it's gonna be. All I right. think it's a it's a piece of get back for him. I think it is. Oh no, it, it is. It is. And it's like you know, oh yeah, yeah. It's a way to keep us humble. That's right. For sure. It is, but I mean, it, it really is, and you know, and so you know, the the other guy that comes in with him is like, oh well. You know, do you train dogs? I was like, well, I don't really train dogs. I train my dogs, but yeah, I wouldn't call myself a dog trainer per se. Um, And he was like, well, let me ask you this. And he starts going over like, he's like, I got a Catahoula Catahoula, uh, Leopard Hound with, um, you know, mixed with a pit bull. And I was like, okay, like, cool. Sounds like a cool looking dog, whatever. And, keep it and, away from my dog. Keep it away from mine, right. And, and so, <laughs> and he was like, well, and I got a cat too. Um, he was like, but it won't ever just stop chasing my cat. It's like always bothering my cat. And I'm always, and I was like, well, I mean, and, and it opened up a, a, a gate to start talking a bit about breeding. So I was like, okay, well, you know, do you know what a Catahoula is? And he was like, no, not really. And I was like, well, that's a, that's a hound. Like it's a dog that's 
literally known for running up and down trees and, and, and treeing, you know, <laughs> per game. I was like, so your cat is probably, you know, it's probably a yeah. game for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. You see what I'm saying? And and so he was like, well, dang, like, how do you know stuff like this? And I was like, well, you know, I run a podcast, I do this, I do that, and, and, and I just read a lot about dogs. And things like that, I, I saw it as an opportunity to say, hey, well, why don't you go do a little bit more research on what you have or, or what the yeah. breedings are and things like that? Because, again, I'm no expert, but if I have an issue with my dog, well, I think it, it, it'd be smart to go, you know, down to the source. You know, for these yeah. guys, they were just so impressed that, you know, one of my dog, one of my dogs a point and the other one, you know, is a, is a really good retriever. Well, that's what you want out of the, the, the new information that's coming up. You know, you want to educate yeah. people that are not, that would have no clue. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, and I think it, and, and, you know, you're curious about this and I think that people, people are, you know, catch, catch the, catch the enthusiasm that you have for it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and, and again, I mean, that's the thing, like, like if I'm sitting with somebody who's like extremely passionate about a certain subject, even if I'm not um, personally invested in it in any way, shape or form, like I could listen to them talk about it and I'd be, and I'd be enthralled. Right. Like, like that's kind of like, like, because that's, that's how human beings are. You know, I think that we're, we're imitative creatures. And so we, we see someone that's deriving such joy out of something and you're like, Oh gosh, like mm -hmm. I need to hear more about this. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, like I don't care if you're making cheese. I'm like, tell me all about it. You're right. excited about it. You know, like, right. so, so I think that, that, um, you know, that's, that's always going to be infectious. And I think that that's a big part of like, you know, um, you know, hunting has, has a terrible PR problem right now. Oh yeah. Um, God, mean, yes. you know, it's been, yeah. And so, so I, I think that we, uh, I think that's going to be a big part of turning that around is, is, is actually exposing these kind of like, like genuinely passionate people, um, you know, from all walks of life, from all ages and, 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 uh, um, you know, regions and whatever else. And it's like, you know, tell these people stories, show what makes them tick, what gets them excited. And you know what people are, it's going to make people curious about it. It's going to get people engaged in it. I think that's, that's huge, you know, right. and, I, and I think, again, that's, that's part of, um, you know, again, like, uh, shoot, I mean, Asia and I talk on the phone every single day just because we're in business together, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it's very easy for those conversations to get sidetracked on all kinds of random rabbit trails as far as, like, things that we're curious about, or, oh, hey, you know, I read this, did, you know, was talking to this guy about this, and, and all of a sudden, it's like, you know, we both start caring about it, <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying, like, and that's just the way that, again, I think human beings are wired. So, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, it, and, and speaking of that, you know, the infectious nature of, of, of podcasting and social media and being passionate about all of these things in the bird dog world, you know, you definitely, you know, have put out a lot of my own passion and, and expressed this to a variety of sponsors shoot like <laughs> from you <laughs> what, what you got me on you got me garmin um you can yeah. but you know you and jake kind of you, you jake and aj definitely um put all of that stuff together you know and 
like I said, for me, it's it's kind of like a like I'm still kind of starstruck because I'm like, whoa, like, okay, <laughs> these guys like what I'm doing. But what is it, man? That that for somebody that says, hey, I want to start this thing, you know, and obviously to take it to the next level to be able to sustain itself somehow. Because I'm not going to lie, like podcasting costs a little bit more money depending on how far you want to take it. Um, Right, right, right. right. You know, just to be real about it, what do you think it is that generates sponsor interest and and what's that process look like? Because, you know, like I said, you've been the the catalyst for a lot of stuff that's gone on 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 my side of things. Yeah. um, Yeah. Again, I think that that there's there's that the consistency is the huge part, right? I, and again, I mean, like you have been doing this, and and you know, probably and when Nick Nick kind of launched Project Upland, and and now Jake's launched Endless Migration, and you know, their situations were probably a little bit different than yours. Is that you know Nick had been thinking about doing a podcast, and so had Jake, mm-hmm. and you know we knew, you know, we had kind of seen like you know this is a this is a very much an up and coming, um, you know, channel, uh, for, for content. And, uh, and so we knew we were were kind of, okay, we, you know, we, we know we need to do a project up one podcast was kind of, you know, back 2017 with Nick. Right. And, um, and, and so basically, you know, as we were, as AJ and I were talking about it, he just kind of said, Hey, there's probably one guy that I'd want to do that. And it's Nick Larson. Right. Uh, he knew Nick from from RGS, uh, RGS days, and so, um, so I was kind of like, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, if this is the guy that you would, you know, because again, you know, for for us, it was it was important for us to protect the integrity of Project Upland in terms of, you know, getting someone that wasn't going to be, um, you know, divisive or foolish or mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, again, you know, there's just there's so many pitfalls, you know, yeah, um, which is with people, <laughs> but uh, but Nick was like, obviously the real deal and, and, uh, um, and AJ trusted him. And so, so we approached him and said, Hey, you know, how would you, cause we knew we wanted to do a podcast, right? How would you feel about actually just hosting the project Upland podcast? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and so then Nick post, I mean, shoot, Nick posts weekly. He's been posting weekly you know, almost without fail for, for, you know, two and a half years now. So, right. I mean, he's, uh, I mean, I mean that's, that was huge. And so being able to bring that with like, okay, here's the audience, you know, here's, I mean, you know, brands care about two things. They care about, you know, obviously the metrics of how many people are downloading your, your episodes and, and what kind of engagement are you getting on it? Mm-hmm. And then, and then the second part is like, you know, is there, is there an audience that, um, that, uh, that's a fit. And so, you know, we make it, we're really, you know, conscientious about, connecting not just any brand that'll pay money to be on something, but right. like the right ones, like actually, you know, you and I had this discussion. I'm not going to say which brand, but, yeah. but, uh, but, but, um, you know, I approached you and I was like, Hey, listen, like these guys want to be a part of it. And you were like, no, I want, I want their competitor. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I appreciate you asking me that. I mean, seriously, man, cause I have well, to believe in what I'm using. Yeah, yeah, and, and everybody's that way. It's the same thing. So, and I, I speak specifically about this one. Well, actually, I shouldn't say this either. So, there's another. There's a film. Actually, this happens relatively frequently, right? We have mm-hmm. sponsors that want to do things with us on the films, 
And, uh, and obviously like, I want to be super respectful of all the subjects because, you know, they're, you know, they, they have their own lives and passions and convictions. And it's like, Hey, you know, this brand wants to be a part of this. And, and, um, you know, we had, you know, I would shoot every year where this happens at least once or twice where they're like, no, like I, I use this product. I, I don't do, I don't use that. It's like, okay, then I'm never ever going to force anybody to take something that they, that, that, uh, they have to shoehorn into their experience at all. Because right. I think that that's, that, that that's, that's brand suicide. Right. <laughs> you know, it really is. <laughs> so, so I mean, I care too much about in preserving the integrity of, project upland and the people we're working with and like your podcast and mm-hmm. whatever else. And so, um, so yeah, but certainly all the way back to the podcast stuff, I think again, like, but, but see, I think that speaks volumes. Um, and again, it makes you attractive to sponsors where it's like, no, listen, Darrell's just not, he's not just going to be a mouthpiece. Like he's got to believe. Right. <laughs> you know? Seriously. And so, and so, um, it makes the same way, you know, um, and I think also, and, and so is Jake. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we, we kind of be, be between the three of you guys, I think that we really, really kind of like captured, um, captured that, right. That is kind of like, you know, we got three guys that, that have integrity that are diehard in their own respective areas. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, we had wanted to launch a waterfowl brand forever. Um, I mean, almost since day one, like agent and I's first conversation. Right. And, and we didn't do it until literally February of this year because we didn't have the right person. Like, right. Like, you know, we at least had a few years of bird hunting under our belts where we felt like we could navigate the space and culture decently well for Project Dublin. But, but it wasn't until Jake Terry came along and it was like, okay, we finally found like our subject matter expert. Yeah. <laughs> found no, and, and Jake that, is, Jake is the right person. If you listen to his podcast, the vibe yeah. is there, you know, Oh yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Well, and, it, and it's not just a southern accent. It's like <laughs> that too. That <laughs> too. But but Jake is you know he's just a he's a diehard waterfowler. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. you know and, and and I think that that was like that was the prerequisite. And so so and Jake's situation was very similar. That um, you know we knew you know we we saw the you know formula for Project Upland success, meaning that. You know, it was it was a combination of you know films and social media and podcast and website with content and all that, and we knew that it was like listen, like but we can't just fake this. We need to actually have somebody that knows what they're doing, that knows what they're talking about. And so Jake kind of you know we met Jake when he was the um, the marketing director at uh, Gunner Kennels, mm-hmm. and and so um, basically we you know had a relationship that way. He left Gunner and was, you know, doing some freelance stuff. And we finally approached him like, dude, like you're our guy. You're like, you know, he and I hit it off real well, just back in, you know, those early conversations. And so, um, he was like, yeah, you know, I was, I was actually thinking about starting my own podcast. And so it's kind of very similar to Nick. It was like, yeah. okay, perfect. Like, yeah. like how about, how about you do the endless migration podcast? And, and then, you know, and again, if just in the timeline of things, like, you know, endless migration has a lot of sponsor support already because mm-hmm. people are kind of like I think banking on the fact that we did Project Upland already and we're doing Project Upland already. Right. So they kind of see that, you know, I think the trajectory of where endless migration is going. Yeah. And so it it was not super difficult to to get sponsors on board. Right. Um, that one, and uh, so yeah, again, I think you know they were they knew. 
they had, they had the confidence at least that because um, some of the sponsors on endless migration came through came through you know our existing partners mm-hmm. um, like Yukonuba and and so on and some of them came through you know Jake's connections um, like with you know Heavy Shot is one of the sponsors on there mm-hmm. um, and so and so you know basically like like. Heavy Shot was trusting that Jake wouldn't be a part of some of this garbage. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he's not. If you talk to him, Jake is pretty straightforward about what he's... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, right? And so, um, and same thing, like, like the people that we were approaching about stuff, like CZ is going to be a part of, of mm-hmm. uh, some of the film stuff. And CZ does a lot of work with us on Project Dublin. They know that we're not going to compromise when it comes to that stuff. And so um, we had a lot of goodwill as far as that goes. But for people that are, like, not from that they don't have the launching pad of project upland it's about doing the work it's about you know being true to what you're doing right and and, uh and being consistent about it and i think that's you know and that principle of cream rising i think that you know i mean i I was tell uh was telling aj early on it was like one of my favorite um steve martin quotes from steve martin he said you know be so good they can't ignore you yeah Right. Yeah. And it's like, like, that's kind of our approach. It's like, you know, um, early, early on in the days of Project Upland, like no one would give you, give it the time of day mm-hmm. just because it was like, you know, you know, and, and nor, nor should they have necessarily because it's like, it was unproven. It was yeah. new. It was like, it yep. didn't have, it, it wasn't what it was. Yeah. Y'all were the new kids then, on the block. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Right. But then four years later, it's like growing and, and expanding and the magazine and everything. Like, mm-hmm. Now it's like, you know, it's not hard to. So, so going back to like where I plugged into the business, it was like, and if anyone in the industry listens to your podcast, I guarantee you they probably got an email from me at some point over the past yeah. <laughs> three years. <laughs> yep. I, I, I fared it their email address and send them a cold email or, or whatever, because that was what I, that's, that's what I was doing. I was trying to drum up the, the financial support to keep project Eplin growing and, and go, I mean, going and mm-hmm. growing. So, um, so yeah, man, I mean, I think that, uh, that, that was like literally, and we're to the point now and it's just been a, a huge blessing that, that like, you know, I don't have to do that as much anymore, right. you know, because, because it's, I think Project Dublin has grown and is visible enough to the point where, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, people are going, oh, you know, I'd like to be a part of that. And it's really cool because it, it happened, it starts to happen real organically. And that's always the best way to grow. It's right. not, you know, you, you never want to feel like you're twisting anyone's arm to do anything. Right. So, so while, yeah, I do, I, I, you know, was proactively prospecting a ton early on. Um, I never, ever tried to, like, force fit anything. Mm-hmm. And there were people early on, too, that, like, legitimately, like, companies would want to hire us to, like, write some flattering article about their about their product or whatever. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nah, I'm good. Well, yeah. I, well, I, well I, it was actually probably more AJ being like, nope. <laughs> so yeah. he, he's a little more, he's even more sensitive towards it than I am. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it was, again, like, we're not going to compromise any of that stuff man it's just it's not worth it in the long haul because we knew you know if you're if you're good enough you can't be ignored forever right so right um and and but if you start compromising on stuff like that i mean so much of again that's that's a whole poison for the industry i think over the the last 20 years um or 30 years really and just in the publishing industry is like 
you know, I mean, I, I've had people literally point blank tell me, hey, we'll put an ad in Project Upland Magazine if you come write a story about us. Right. And right. it's like, nope. <laughs> like, sorry. You know, like, we're not going to do it because it's like, that's that's selling. I mean, no, no one can trust that article anymore because you sold it. It's, like, it's, you sold your soul for that, right? Right. So, we're just not, we're just not going to do it, man. And, um, and so we've said no to revenue because of, you know, holding that line. And it's like, and that's, you know, <laughs> going to quick, quick don't rise, never going to change. Right. You know, like that's hundred percent what we're committed to. Well, it, 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 it shows definitely in the magazine. My friend, the magazine is phenomenal. My personal favorite. I've gotten a lot of good compliments there. Um, so, I mean, all of the hard work that you and AJ are putting in, um, and have put in, um, you know, for me, for Project Upline, for Northwoods Collective, everybody in this migration, it shows, um, the quality is there. Um, so, you know, my, my last thing, you know, in lieu of sponsors, I really do want to bring up Onyx Maps, um, you know, not yeah, to be yeah. contrived or anything like that. Like I really, <laughs> that was another one of those sponsors that I, like you said, I was, I was already using before. Um, yeah. And yeah. we actually just got off that phone call um, recently with all the guys, and there's some new things kind of coming forward. And Onyx was another, um, you know, company that I really believe in. So can you talk about that a little bit? And 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 maybe something that you want to put out there for Onyx, something new. Or what can yeah. folks expect? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you know, they were they were one of our earliest supporters, like mm -hmm. years ago. Um, we're on our third year of doing stuff with Onyx, from you know just partnering and sponsoring things, and so obviously we can't say enough good things. Like we had a AJ and I went on a hunt um, last fall up in Montana for sage grouse with all those guys, and just like just a great bunch of dudes, and mm -hmm. and. Um, and uh, and ladies, Jess McLaughlin was there too. She's yep. a phenomenal photographer, writer. So, um, just I mean, just a really great, really great group of people. And and uh, they're a you know Montana company, so they're like right in that kind of that core sweet spot. Like mm -hmm. they they're all about the the lifestyle. They're not just it's not just a business opportunity for them. You know, they're 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 all about it. But um, yeah, so I mean, there's obviously some really cool things like I use Onyx. You know like religiously mm -hmm. uh, just because, just because again, you know, I mean, um, so, so I hunt a kind of blend of public and private land. Um, because my buddy Stan that I hunt with, he literally has permission from like every farmer in a 50 mile radius. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, um, you know, again, like these are guys that just kind of leave their, leave their corners of their fields open for, for pheasant, you know? And, and I mean, so we get, kind of a little bit spoiled with like the kind of opportunities to get um um it's all wild so mm -hmm. it's not like put and take or anything but, but it's a lot of fun uh but again using onyx and there's a lot you know actually ironically i probably use it even more for turkey hunting than anything just because you know for scouting and for covers and for looking at clearing so that all the turkeys we hunt are merriams and they're all in kind of um bigger woods style so we go up to like logging country so it's really really helpful like around that like to see boundary lines and figuring out mm -hmm. you know because all the lumber companies up here um you know they let they get public access to all their stuff and so it's really helpful to, but there are still private property pieces around it so you got to like make sure you're you're in the right place <clears throat> um so i use it a ton for that 
but the coolest stuff that's, that's coming out, you know, like obviously waypoints have been a thing forever, um, mm-hmm. um, or not forever, but for, for a while now, but now they're, they're actually about to be rolling out with some really cool features in terms of being able to share those <clears throat> waypoints and, um, actually share, you know, trails. So in other words, like if you're in a duck blind and, um, you know, you drop a waypoint and like, you know, send it to your bud, share it with a friend to be like, Hey, <clears throat> come meet me, meet me here. You know, you, you have no idea which way to approach it from. You have no, you know, like all that kind of stuff. So there's some really cool things where you actually, you could share, you know, the route to get to a spot, not just the spot, right. which I think is just per- pretty cool. There's going to be some, you know, you can actually embed a lot more information with sharing a waypoint with people. So you can be like, you know, if you're marking cubbies, if you're, what, however you're doing it, um, you know, and you want to share it with people. And then the cool thing is too, for like outfitters and, and hunt and guides and whatnot, they can, uh, you can share waypoints temporarily and then revoke access, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, so it, it kind of, you know, it's, it, there's a little bit of control because I know a lot of people are, you know, a little bit paranoid about, <laughs> about their covers. Yeah. And again, you know, I, but I always go back to this man, like, like, you know, we need to be open-handed, just like all this stuff. We need to be open-handed about our spots. Right. You know, I know that's a tough thing to say, but it's like, if you want to grow the sport, if you want to see it succeed long-term, like, you got to be open-handed about it. And if you share a spot with somebody, you know, you should go into it with the understanding that, you know what, like, they're going to go back there. They're going <laughs> to go back there and, like, and just respect the spot for the people that's on the receiving end. Respect it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing, too, like, so if you're bringing someone hunting, you should walk them through that. Like, listen, like you can come back here. Don't clean it out. <laughs> you know, right. like, like if you, if you flush a cubby of quail, don't just blast them and then come back the next day and keep blasting them. And like, you know, like, right. like, like be, be conscientious about this. Cause you're not the only person that hunts it, you know, it's, but anyway, back to Onyx. Like, I think that all these features are going to be rolling out this fall. And there's some really, really cool stuff that I think will make it, um, you know, more social in the mm-hmm. sense of like being able to, uh, um, you know, be, be a part of it with your hunting partners and that kind of thing. So, um, I, said, I, I was, I'm a huge fan. I'm a true believer. I've been using it pretty much from day one when I started hunting. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like second nature to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, ironically, like sometimes I'll even like use it if I'm like in back roads and that kind of thing, like even for like, <laughs> <laughs> like, just to find actual, a way out. <laughs> yeah, so just yeah, just for actual navigation, man. Right. Just, you know, it's just funny. Like, like you start, you start, you know, all kinds of weird uses. You end up using it for, and and uh, but anyway. So actually, a, a good uh, realtor buddy of mine that I that hunt turkeys with. He actually uses Onyx to show like property boundaries to clients. Really. <laughs> he's like, Oh, he's pulling up on X and like, oh, yeah, so you see that, that tree right there? And he's looking at the map like, you see this boundary line? Like, you know, selling pieces of property. So Wow, okay. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so, like, I'm sure on didn't necessarily, you know, plan it as a use case. But, hey, if you're a realtor, download on it. Mm-hmm. You know? download, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and there's our sales point right there. If you are a realtor, download on X. Well, check. Uh, yeah, and, and, and use and use uh, Darrell's download code so we get credit for it. Yes, please do. I always announce the download code at the beginning and the end of the podcast is the GDN20. Use it. Yeah, 
no, and, and again, and, and honestly, and that's that's the cool thing. Like, so, so um, a lot of sponsors, uh, especially like podcast stuff, like like Onyx is like one of the most generous ones, honestly, mm-hmm. just because not only are they actually like you know financially supporting you know all of our podcasts and like just really great helping us you know keep those things high quality and alive and all that and and justifying the time that goes into them but like legitimately too they're also offering discount codes and that kind of thing like like it's just a really cool thing and so by by using those obviously you know that matters to us because you know I like to be able to talk to Onyx and they'd be like hey check it out Darrell's code was used 20 times this month right and I mean like like for a for a sponsorship for us, you know, Project Zeppelin, you know, Gundog Notebook, Endless Migration, whatever. It's like that's solid gold for us. Going okay, listen, like we're we are we're in a mutually beneficial relationship here, right. and I mean, that, and that's you know very important for mm-hmm. us to the to the future of you know, us continuing to be able to do the stuff we get to do. Right. Because um, again, listen, like like you know, like running the, running all the podcasts, printing the magazine, making the films you know, populating the website, running the social media, like, like that stuff is not, none of it's cheap. No, it's <laughs> you know? not. And so, and, and we're, we're committed to like, you know, obviously the magazine is its own thing, but we're committed to constantly providing that for free to whoever wants it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the way to actually sustain it is through advertisers. So the cool thing, you know, that, that we really are trying to be conscientious about is, is we want to, you know, bring value to listeners and watchers, mm-hmm. right? And and so the people that are experiencing things like, you know, we're not just looking for corny canned ads. Like we want to actually, you know, make make it worth listening to. Right. So and, um, and and we want the sponsors to make it worth supporting us because to say okay, we've had X amount of listens from Darrell this month, you know, this month from however many yeah. listeners that gives them more incentive to improve their stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely, and, and 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 by far of all the companies, and again, like I said, there's a we have a lot of great partners. So mm-hmm. this is not a slight on anybody, but Onyx is the one that's like literally constantly being like, "Hey guys, please, if you have any ideas, any you know, uh, please send them our way." And like, right. and we and we have like we've literally like walked them through a, you know a couple things. We're like, "Hey, you know what? Grouse hunters would absolutely love this," you know. Um, that kind of thing. So, like, right. you know, woodcock hunters are going to love like soil data. <laughs> right. Know? They're like, well, you know, there's only about, you know, there's a very small minority of woodcock hunters. So we'll we'll look at that one. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but 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 we, you know, they're all ears for all the kinds of improvements and stuff like that. So, so again, just a rad company and and can't recommend them enough for sure. Absolutely. Well. I um I can't thank you enough, Chet. As we conclude, man, like how do folks get a hold of you? We know that you're, you know, at Northwoods Collective. We know that you're at Project Upland. I want to send people to you to your page and ask questions. Oh man, I like I said my 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 ill-used um, <laughs> Instagram. It's just it's just my name, Chet Hervey. And mm-hmm. uh, but if you wanna if you wanna actually get a hold of me, I mean, if you wanna actually ask questions or or anything specific. You know, my email is just chet.hervey at northwoodscollective.com. That's probably the easiest way. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, like I said, I'm, uh, again, I generally end up behind the scenes on all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so it's, it's, <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate the invite and I appreciate the time to get to talk. Obviously, 
you know, it's always fun. But um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, in all that rambling, someone got some kind of good out of it. I hope. Man, please, <laughs> I, there's a ton of value in there. Like I said, you you are very behind the scenes. I will say that, and that was something I've always been conscious of. Um, and I and I was just like, dang, like, you know. In, in having you on the podcast, I didn't want to just have you on just to say, oh, this is another Project Upland thing. Like, I think you really do yeah. have a lot of value that you really don't speak too much about. You're always working. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> You're literally always, and every time I talk to you, you know, it, it, it's some new update or some, you know, new this and that. And I'm just like, damn, like people could, people could really hear about, you know, what the business side of this is and, and what makes you know, what we all do so great, but also really get into the depths of the challenges of what we do. So, you know, for all of that, man, like I'm really grateful to have you on and and to be working with you all the time. Well, I appreciate that, man. And and, and honestly, the feeling is very mutual. Like I said, I enjoy what all you guys do and, and, um, and it makes my job fun. It's new every day and, and, uh, different challenges, different, different, uh, excitement. And, and, you know, again, it's a, it's a, it's a something that I ever necessarily would have thought the the kind of direction my my career, so to speak, would go. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, but I'm very th- I'm very thankful for it being able to, you know, be a part of a you know again a, an incredible community. And, I'm, and that, honestly, that's not just lip service. Like I genuinely feel very very blessed to be a part of Project Upland and and what I where it's going and what it's doing and and helping that. Um, vision come to life and i again man i just i wake up and get to work on that and i keep you know very little to complain about as far as that goes right right well ladies and gentlemen that is the mysterious chet herbie (laughs) (laughs) for project upland um i appreciate you guys listening until next week you know go and like i said download that onyx code gdn20 Um, And we will catch y'all on the flip side. I'd like to thank all my sponsors and affiliates from Onyx Maps, our title sponsor, to You Can Do the Sporting Dog, to Garmin, Fish Hunt, um, to Dakota 283 Kennels, to Lion Country Supply, and everybody else that have been supporting the podcast since day one. Thanks again to Project Upland and the Northwoods Collective.